Thank you so much for the service today so far, Brother Kai for the special, and Sister Megan, thank you so much. As we honor God, Sister Irene, for being here today for our music and bringing our hearts to the overflowing of God's goodness and grace. We've been endeavoring to deal with some scriptures that were brought to us by angels, God's messengers. I want us to always remember, especially this Christmas season, the supernaturalness of uh, the blessings of God. Anything we have from God is not of His goodness, will not come from this earth. We are so foolish sometimes to think this world can provide things that really will suffice us. Just won't do it. So God brings them from outside of our own self, including salvation. And we see that angels do that. And I want us to be reminded that angels are supernatural beings. They are real. And uh, we have ministering spirits. Hebrews talked about that. God's angels encamp around us. And what a blessing that is and what support and confidence that should give us. I've entitled the, uh, the messages under the theme of angelic anthems bringing us the Christmas spirit. Last Sunday we endeavored to deal with a supernatural spirit. And today we're going to deal with a submissive spirit. A submissive spirit. And to do that from God's Word, I wanted to look at uh, Luke chapter 1, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1. We were there last week, as you know, but we're going to go back there. What I'm about to do is read the Word of God. This book is written by God, holy inspired book. I pray that it's precious and that you trust it with all your life. You don't have to understand it all. What you have to do, though, is believe that it's from God and that it is without error and that it is what God has given us to know about himself, about life, about salvation, about death, and all he would have us know. So given the, um, the strength of this word, given the source of it, the reverence I know that you would all like to portray, would you please stand with me again this morning as I read this account of the angel's encounter with Mary from Luke chapter 1. I'm going to begin it at verse 28. And the angel came unto her and said, let's look at verse 26. And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to be a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. 
Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the six months with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Would you please be seated? Thank you so much for standing with me. As we look at these verses, uh, this is the wonderful story of, of God, a manual of being with us. You won't find a more uh, vivid story of God's grace than this account in Luke of the angel's encounter with Mary. You're talking about a love story? Man, it's right here. You're talking about a story that shows the splendidness of God's sovereignty? That's what it is. That's what this book is about. That's what this story is about. My goodness, what a blessing. We won't find it. We know the Bible could not be written by man. Man could never write such as this. What a wonderful story that we can share this Christmas season. A submissive spirit is certainly a spirit that pleases God. You know, Mary, we see, is a virgin. That means that she has never been touched by a man. Never. She's pure. She's uh, resolved. But I don't believe that I can see any testimony of Scripture that that's the reason God chose her to carry the Son of God in her womb. I believe it was because of her submissive spirit. We need to be mindful of our spirit. Submissiveness is something we shy away from in the world today. We don't like to be told what to do. Not by the government, not by the church, not by our friends, our parents, or even God. I pray that God would help us see the greatness and what God says about having a submissive spirit. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That meek means submissive. That means that you're willing to do and be obedient to those that have authority over you. That's what submissive means. It's the opposite of rebellion. And I pray that God would help us. God always chooses those kind of spirits, seems like. Because God knows our hearts. Nobody would have thought God would have picked David to be the king of Israel. Such a little one, staying back in the woods, keeping his father's sheep. His big brothers would be the one for the job. That's not the case. David was a man that was submissive to God. He depended on God. Nobody, no preacher or a committee would have ever called Paul to preach in their church. But God did. Because when Paul was struck down on the road to Damascus, he had a submissive spirit. He said in Acts 9, 6, Lord, what would thou have me to do? Can you say that? Can you say, God, what would thou have me to do? 
without wanting to do what you want to do, without trying to tell God how to do it. May the Lord bless us. I'm going to tell you that's what Mary said. Lord, be unto me according to thy word. What a blessing. What a submissive spirit. I'll tell you what happens. You're talking about a miracle of Christmas. When we can get to the point by God's grace that we're submissive and made willing by his grace. And we say, God, whatever it is, I will do it. We're not quicking and screaming about changing our circumstances. We're not complaining. We're not bitter. We don't feel like we've done, been treated unjustly. We say, God, what would you have me do? I'm going to tell you what happens. God has pity on us because a father has pity on his children. And when he does, he comes and blesses us and he uses us. Oh, goodness, may God give us a submissive spirit. I want to say three things because I can't talk about submissiveness without grace. Because you and I won't be submissive without grace. We won't. You know, I eat a pecan pie the other day at a function somewhere. And the hostess was walking around the tables. I saw it up there in the view and I didn't go for it. But when she came around the tables and asked me if I wanted it, I said, yeah, I'll take a piece. And so she brought me a piece of pecan pie. You ever had a piece of pecan pie with no pecans in it? That was one of them. I mean, it might have had a little shiblings on them. But you know, I ate it. I ate it because I felt like I ought to. The lady had brought it to me. But it wasn't something I really enjoyed. And I think religion's like that. People go to church sometimes because they think that's just what they ought to do. But they don't want to be here. Some of you may be like that. But when God's grace, see God's grace is like those pecans on a pecan pie. It makes it worthwhile. It makes us where we come back for more. It has some substance to it. Life without grace is just filling. That's all it is. But by God's grace, we have the meat and the strength. We're saved by his grace, we're sustained by his grace, and we live by his grace. And you can be sure when you and I, by his grace, can have a missive spirit, God is using you in your life. God knows your heart, though. May we all cry out to him today to give us a submissive spirit, a heart for God, preferring one another before ourselves, willing to take the back seat, knowing that our best position is sitting on the stool of repentance or kneeling at the cross whereby he shed his precious blood for our sins. So I had to bring grace into this picture of Mary because I see a woman of grace. Little girl even, 15, 16 years old probably. God used her in a mighty way. 
So I want to see, first of all, and I want to say three things about grace when I think about it, it's a missive spirit. If you're going to have a missive spirit, first of all, you don't understand that you're saved by grace. If you're going to have a missive, a permissive spirit or submissive spirit, you're going to have to understand that you're shamed by grace. And if you're really going to have a permissive spirit, we're going to have to know that we're made submissive by grace because we don't get there ourselves. Pride is a great enemy. It's a great poison. And we all got some of it. And we need to pray this Christmas that God would take our pride away. Just because somebody doesn't see things just the way you do does not always mean they're wrong. We need to understand that and say, God, I want a spirit that is submissive. And I'm telling you, it won't be anything that the world would applaud you over. But God will. And that's who we're in this for anyway. So first of all, let's look at saved by grace. I want you to understand Mary was in a situation that she was completely helpless as far as what God was going to bring in her life. Jesus Christ. She was a virgin. Her womb had been sealed over, was still sealed over by the darkness of her virginity. There's no way that life could penetrate in that dark pocket. And there's no way for a believer, for a child of God, apart from God's penetrating Holy Spirit, that you will have life. God saves by His grace. His grace means His unmerited favor. God didn't have to do this. God comes to Mary. And he comes to her in a most unlikely place, in Nazareth. And it's already been said in John 1, verse 46, one of the disciples said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? When God deals with you by grace, don't ever think that God won't bring good out of things and places and people that it don't seem like it could be happening. So God is like that. He does that. So he comes to her in a most unlikely place. And God says she's highly favored. You know what that word means? That you've been accepted. You've been favored by God. It means you have grace. Ephesians 1.6 says that we have been made accepted in God by Christ. You don't accept God. God accepts you. You got that? If you're saved by grace, you will have a submissive spirit. The deal is, we don't realize sometimes that we're really saved by grace. We think sometimes that I did a little bit. We think that I can do this. We think, oh God, that I'm not as bad as somebody else. Or either we think we're so bad that there's no hope. But grace overpowers all that. See, Mary wondered how this could be, being since she knew no man. Sometimes in our spiritual life, we think, how can this be? I'm not spiritual enough. I don't have an experience like some people I know. I don't know all the Bible. I don't understand the doctrine. 
Or I've messed up, preacher. You don't know what's happened in my life. I'm going to tell you, that's no excuse for God's grace. God saved us by his grace. I'll tell you what. I was 70 years old. You can't believe that, can you? I'll tell you this. You know what I thought this morning? This man has committed a lot of sins in 70 years. But God has forgiven every one of them. You hear me? You don't think I want to have a submissive spirit? You don't think God, if God calls this little sinner to preach and I'm going to try to preach, how in the world could I not? I'm going to tell you what, when we realize what grace does for us, then we're going to say, God, you just bring it on. Oh, God, give us that submissive spirit to serve you and your people and life. And so he comes to Mary and he says, I'm going to tell you, little girl, Mary, you are highly favored. She's highly favored. She has grace and you are too. You have been chosen of God. You have. Don't try to slough that off. Don't let that pride say, well, no, that can't be. God's not like that. That's how he is. I wish it was different in a way because it's so unpopular. But that's how God does his business. And he does it right. And he does it day and night. And he comes to Mary. He knows where you are. He knows those dark pockets in your life that you're struggling with right now. And I want to tell you, friends, he brings life there. No matter if you're young or old. That's what the power of grace does. And we need to bless God and help us to see that. And know that. And he's bringing Jesus into this womb. Did you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Then we need to let Jesus show. This young virgin was bringing, going, being impregnated by the very Holy Spirit of God. Now listen to me now. Jesus ascended from heaven not in a bodily form. You understand that? He's always been God. Before the foundation of the world, the Trinity has existed. But what God is doing, and he's doing it for grace. He's doing it because he loves you. And he's doing it to save you. To keep you from going to hell. And he's doing it finally, completely, justly, rightly. So what he's doing, he's going to impregnate this virgin Mary. And the Holy Spirit comes upon her to do it. Not a man. Jesus had no earthly father. The miracle of this supernatural submissive spirit is the seed of the woman. Jesus Christ is the only one that's born the seed of the woman. Every other human being is the seed of man. Jesus, though, had no earthly father. And it fulfills the prophecy. When Adam sinned and plunged us all into spiritual deadness, way back in Genesis, God said the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. That serpent, my friends, is the devil. And the birth of Jesus brings to validity the culmination of the prophecy that God said, I will send my son and he will be the seed of the woman. So Jesus took on humanity through the substance of the Virgin Mary in her womb. Yes, he took on humanity. 
the substance of the biological criteria, though without sin, that does not make Mary one to be worshipped. Mary knew she was saved by grace. She said in her Magnificat in the latter part of this chapter, I magnify the Lord my Savior. She was at the cross when Jesus died, just like we all are. Yet, we need to see that Jesus was born. He was born a human being so that he could go to the cross that he could die for you and me and shed his blood, which is the only, the only payment for sin. Man, I wish I could say that enough. I wish I could say that loud enough. I wish I could say that with heart enough to make us understand that we're saved by God's grace. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, grace was born. When Jesus came from heaven to earth, grace came from heaven to earth. Don't you know, friends, that there's nothing too hard for God because there's nothing too hard for grace. There's no sin that grace cannot deal with. And there's no darkness in your life that the Holy Spirit cannot penetrate. Saved by grace. Secondly, shamed by grace. Now, when you think about shame, this woman, this Mary, had to deal with it. She was a spouse to Joseph. That means in that day, they were as good as married. They were not living together, however. They were not. The way it happened, and a spousal was made, a dowry was paid for a man to marry a woman in advance. And then the man would go work on his house, build up whatever he needed, then he would go get his bride. It's the same thing Jesus is going to do to the church. See, we're our spouse to Christ, but when he comes back, he's coming to get his bride. To do what? Take us home, to be in heaven. So Mary and Joseph were a spouse. But they hadn't come together as husband and wife. He never touched her in that way. Okay? So now she's pregnant. So what does she do? She's got to bear the reproach of being pregnant without being married. She's got to deal with it. How is she going to tell Joseph? I want you to know that sometimes the shame you have to bear when it comes from God is the shame that God would use to give us grace because God is going to work on Joseph too, okay? Now, there's two kinds of shame. There's misplaced shame. That this woman had to deal with it. So, so misplaced shame is understanding that you may have something in your life that, that makes it, that is shameful, but you had nothing to do with it. You might be in a situation that you wish it was not like this, but, but you got it, you in it. But you know what? It does not dishonor God. You might go to a party somewhere or, or an event and you don't dress right. And you're ashamed. That's misplaced shame. But if you cheat on your taxes and you get caught, 
and it's born out in public, then you ought to be ashamed. We need to be ashamed of our sins. And we're living in a world where we don't have any shame. We got a lot of blame, but no shame. I'm going to tell you, when we don't understand what God has done for us and we don't have a miss to miss his spirit and we just think we have to live like we want to and we're just dishonoring God in our life, shame on us. Shame on us that we don't take God for his value of what he's telling us, of how to live. I'll tell you, we're living in a world and how could you not expect that from people that haven't been soaked in God's grace? Right now, if you have a young girl gets pregnant out of marriage, you're not ashamed of it. You put it on Facebook. You brag about it. People live together all the time not married, not ashamed of it. People live lifestyles, homosexual lifestyles, not ashamed of that. We we got people that run for the highest office in this, this country that promotes it. We're not ashamed of it. We need to be shamed by the grace of God. You know why we're not ashamed of it? Because we don't understand what grace is. We don't understand the holiness of God. We don't understand what hell is. Jeremiah 6.15 says, Were they ashamed when they committed abominations? Nay, he says, they were not ashamed, neither could they blush. When's the last time you saw somebody blush? You can even tell an off-color joke in the world today. Nobody blushes anymore. I mean, it's just there. I mean, just let it all hang out, okay? We don't have any shame for anything. We want to be ashamed of ourselves. Then we're not ashamed, if you can say that. (laughs) So they're ashamed, that's good. We'll be ashamed of our sins. We should not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this little girl is about to be showing, you know, in pregnancy of a lady, you know, they're showing. They're they're, they're pregnant long enough, they start showing. If you're a child of God, it's going to show, okay? Don't be ashamed of it. Do not be, you young girls and boys, don't be ashamed of your virginity either. No matter about the world laughing at you. You testify of God. You'd be ashamed if you're not following God. That's what we ought to be. Rejoicing in Him. And thanking Him for our grace in our lives. Okay. So saved by grace, ashamed by grace. That's what Mary does. She says, you know, I don't understand this. This has happened to me. You know, what we ought to do, we ought to take our life, whatever your life is right now, You might have had addiction problems. Your family might be. Your mama might be this, that, and the other. Your daddy. Whatever it is, my friends, you understand this. You've got an expensive spirit. You say, God, if this comes from me and I'm not not here, if you're not living in sin and and, and enjoying doing it, then you say, God, then whatever the shame I need to bear. That's what Mary did. I'm going to, Lord, know that it comes from you and I know that you can use me and bless me. Don't be ashamed of the pain in your life. It's how God grows grace. You hear me? Don't be ashamed of it. God's using you in a blessed way. 
You know, I even hate this. I don't even know how to describe this. I remember as a little boy, right, we just had the school bus. You didn't go to school to say if you went on the school bus or walk. I remember sometime, I was just a little boy. Now, you got to get this in mind. My mama would come out sometime to meet the bus. Boy, that bothered me. I didn't want anybody to see my mama. And my mom was a good-looking woman. It's like that. I just was that, that little boy in me. I almost think back. I still hunger to think about that in my life today. Why would I do that? I think there's people that are ashamed of God's grace. There's people that are ashamed to say that you're associated with the Primitive Baptist Church, a church that embraces Calvinistic theology. That means that you had absolutely nothing to do with your eternal salvation. Nothing at all. God chose you for it. There's not a lot of many, many people want to be associated with it. It's not very popular. But my friends, that's what grace does. Jesus Christ went to the cross, which is the most shameful way that a person could die, and he did that for you and me, to save us by his grace. He bore the shame for us. And then lastly, I, I just want to touch him in on submissive by grace. I want you to hear with me what this Mary said, Lord. I don't understand. How can this be? Now, she was not doubting God. There's a big difference in Mary and Zacharias last week. Zacharias doubted God. He wanted a sign. This lady's not asking for a sign. She says, listen, I know that I'm a virgin. I know, God, that and I haven't had a man around me. I know that, but nevertheless, I believe that what you're going to do is true because thou shalt, he said, come upon thee, and you shall bear a son, and his name will be Jesus. But she says, how's it going to happen? She's inquisitive. She's discerning enlightenment. She wanted to know. But she's never doubted God. See, that is a submissive spirit. And then she said, even if I don't understand it, God, so be it. According to thy word. I'll tell you what, you let the word of God guide you in your life. You might not understand it all. You just take one day at a time, one step at a time. You say, oh, God, you guide me by your word. And God will do it. His word is like a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We're not in this thing to please everybody else. He does it by his Holy Spirit. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves unto the Lord. and He will lift you up. Have you done that? That's what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus submitting the glory of heaven to do his Father's work for his love for you and for me. What a blessing. What a joy to understand the truth of God. Do you understand? Doesn't it take a lot of burdens off of us and weight? We don't have to get out here and see how good we can perform. We don't have to go and make some sort of resolution and I'm not going to do this anymore. What we need to do is say, God, I'm going to be submissive to you. You shape and mold me. You don't have to be anybody else. You be who God has made you to be. And God will use you and bless you. You don't have to be holy, a virgin for God. You don't have to get your life right before God's going to deal with you. But your spirit needs to be willing, and that's made willing by His grace. You know, if God was going to require anybody that He can perform a miracle on to be a virgin and to be pure, most of us would have to leave and go home. 
I'd be willing to say God would have to look a long time to find a virgin today in our world. He would. But nevertheless, that doesn't take any or diminish his grace and the perfectness of his mighty will. You know, Mary and Joseph are listed in the lineage of Christ. That's the human divinic line. But so is the Rahab the harlot. Isn't that amazing? You find her in Matthew 1. That's what grace does. You thank God for grace. You ask God to give you a submissive spirit. Hey, let me close with you. I can't let you get out of here. I know you're thinking about going home already, but there's a verse I found just the other day. I can't believe it's in the Bible. Talking about submissiveness. In Jeremiah, you don't have to turn there. Listen to this. Jeremiah 27, 11. I'm talking about submissive spirit. He said, but the nations that bring their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now listen to this. And serve him. Those will I let remain still in their own land, saith the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell therein. You know what that means? Now the, the, the children of Judah... And Israel had a lot of problem with that. So Babylon was a wicked king. But God says, I'll tell you what, I want you to be submissive to them. And I want you to do that because I'm going to see what kind of attitude you have. Later on in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, or in the verses before that, we see that God says they're going to Babylonian captivity for seven years, 70 years. And God says, I want you to do this. I want you to keep marrying. I want you to keep working. I want you to keep doing everything. You're going to be in captivity. See, what I can't understand about God and what Mary can't understand is God, why can I have to be submissive when it doesn't make a lot of sense? But then nevertheless, the deal is your attitude. What is your heart? Because you want to tell you this, God will make the payment right. But his payday is not just on Fridays, okay? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. What he's called you and I to do is to be submissive. Blessing. An attitude of grace in our hearts. Because when we do, we'll not have joy. We're not without a submissive spirit. There's too much places and people to rub us wrong in this world. Man, we'd be just like a we just have a skin like an alligator, I bet. When you have a submissive spirit, you say, God, you know what? That's going to show in your life. When you're submissive to God, Jesus is coming forth, just like in the Virgin Mary. May the Lord bless you. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for this day and for the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, give us a submissive spirit that goes so against our human pride. We all think we're right, oh God. And we think so much of this world is wrong. And a lot of it is. Help us be reminded, Lord, that you're in charge of this world too. They're under you. And maybe, Lord, when we're not submissive to those who you put in authority over us, Maybe we're not submissive to you. Oh, Lord, you know and only know. And give us your grace 
to know that you can change the hearts of kings. You can give us a spirit of submission. And we ask for that this Christmas, oh God, that we could enjoy this season as never before by a submissive spirit. May, Lord, it be to us that we all have a Merry Christmas, M-A-R-Y Christmas, with that same characterization of this young girl and her response to something so overwhelming, so contrary to the life she tried to live and the things she stood for. And yet, Lord, to know that from the deep pockets of the darkness of her virginity in her womb, you brought life, abundant life, light, even the light of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.